0: Welcome to episode two of season eight of the Growing Empire Show. Today I'm here with my special guest, Joshua Kim, and we're going to talk about how to use SBA loans to fuel your investment property purchases. So stay tuned.
1: Welcome to Growing Empires, hosted by real estate entrepreneur and trusted investment advisor, Jennifer De Jesus. Growing Empires provides insight to building wealth through passive income producing real estate investments for those who want to build and manage a more profitable real estate portfolio.
0: So, welcome, Joshua, to the Growing Empire Show. I'm so glad that you're here. Hi, hey,
1: how are you? Thanks for having me on.
0: Fantastic. So, let's kick off this episode about utilizing SBA loans to fuel your investment strategies with you sharing a little bit about the work that you're doing now and how you got started growing your own empire.
1: Yeah. So it's great that we got connected for, for the audience. I actually got connected with Jen here through the guy who helps do all the backend for her podcast. He does podcast production through his agency. I actually have known him a while. I actually helped him get an SBA loan to scale his business. And he was like, Oh, Hey, you would love talking with Jen. You should go in on her podcast. She's got a great audience that would probably love to hear about what you can do with SBA financing. So you know, to your question there, I I got started with SBA financing. I was able to purchase a business at a pretty young age with an SBA loan. And I parlayed a lot of the expertise that I have doing that to a couple businesses. Now, one of them is a consulting business where we do help business owners with, you know, any, any kind of need for, for an SBA loan. I mean, obviously we're here talking about real estate. You can use SBA financing to purchase real estate, do tenant improvements, you know, as well as, you know, ground up construction, if it's something for you know related to a business purpose, and it's a great resource that is often overlooked, I think, by a lot of people, uh, especially you know for for the folks in the audience who who have a business and you know they're they're wanting to use good capital resources for commercial real estate. SBA financing has a lot of advantages over traditional financing: better term, better rate, often a much lower down payment. You know, equity injections required for for property acquisitions. So. That's a lot of what I have very, very close technical expertise in. So I, I, you know, I got out of the businesses that I was involved in before and I have been branching into a couple of other businesses, but all of them are kind of focused around either capital raising or I have another one. It's other financial services related to tax credits. So we work with a lot of business owners helping them make sure that are maximizing tax credits, uh, rebates and incentives that are pretty hidden in the 26, 2700 pages of the tax code. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Fun reading, right? Yeah. So am I correct in assuming that most of your businesses are focused around consulting? And so you're not actually doing the lending. Am I correct on that? You just help
1: consult and help
0: direct people to the lending resources that you have.
1: Correct. And so one of the things about SBA financing that is often you know misunderstood is that a lot of people, they get a decline at one lender and they assume that there's some sort of issue with SBA loans as a whole. And 99% of the time, that's not really true. That's not really the case. Most of the times the problem lies with the bank. And so the reason for that is SBA loans are a lot more art than they are science. (laughs) You know, getting a credit card, getting a mortgage for, you know, a a piece of property. in, In most cases, it's very algorithm driven. They look at your credit, they look at your income, they look at the value of the property, they look at very objective metrics to prove it. SBA financing has a lot more nuances. They look at, you know, what the guarantor experience is. They look at the projections to the business. They look at a lot of things that, you know, aren't taken into consideration with a traditional credit product. So a lot of times, you know, I, I work with a lot of like dentists, doctors, vets, you know, small manufacturing businesses, and they want capital, but they're like, hey, you know, we talked to Bank of America and they weren't able to help us. So we talked to Chase and they weren't able to help us. And so it's, it's fairly interesting because a lot of times in the real estate world, the best option you have for finding a lender is just going to a local one, right? That's that's kind of yeah. the, the mindset is, oh, let's just go to a local lender, see who's... And in SBA, that doesn't always work. And so that's, that's why my business in the consulting realm has been successful and we've been able to help a lot of people is because there's a lot of misconceptions about how to go get money through SBA programs. And a lot of times it's not going to chase and it's not going <laughs> to your local lender. You have to go to a specialized, you know, regional or national lender that just does SBA or, or has a big division that does it. And it's, um, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, it's, it's, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of nuances. Like I'll, I'll bring up a story. I'm working with a guy right now. Uh, it's real estate related. He's buying a campground related business in, in Georgia. So it's uh, they've got a bunch of cabins on the property. They have a restaurant. They have a bar. The business has done fantastic through COVID actually because it's kind of out of the way. And so a lot of people just wanted to get out of Atlanta and some of the other more urban areas of, of Atlanta to escape COVID. And they just booked out a cabin for you know, a month or two, right? So, you know, we've been having some friction points actually finding the right lender for it just because there's a lot of moving parts with this deal. The deal itself is solid, it has good cash flow. The guy coming to the table, he owns, I believe, like 30 single family rentals. So he's got good collateral. You know, he obviously knows what he's doing. It's just, You know, some banks just didn't quite understand the business. And so that's that's really where the value of the consulting has come in is I'm able to leverage my unique network of relationships to make sure we can bring a couple of lenders to the table who will have a solid chance of getting it done versus him, you know, wasting a lot of time just, you know, he calls Bank of America, he calls Chase, and then he gives up after he gets declined from both of them because both of those big banks generally suck at doing any sort of small business product in, in the loan space. So
0: Wow, that's awesome. So today we're definitely going to talk about some of those creative financing strategies using SBA loans. And I've asked Joshua to join me to share his wealth of knowledge and secrets that he's picked up over the years. And today we're going to cover what you can buy with SBA loans, how SBA loans differ from conventional loans used in real estate purchases, and how to use SBA loans to fuel your investment game. So I'm going to jump right in because we've got a lot to cover today. First question, you know, I've heard a lot of bad things about SBA loans, like they take a long time, they require a lot of collateral, and are complicated yep. with paperwork. Is is that true? Or is that kind of where you come in?
1: So uh, at the end of the day, I can't cut back on the amount of paperwork that someone has to fill out to get a loan. You know, the requirements of the documentation are going to be the same, no matter what. But what I will say is a lot of times, the biggest misconception I like breaking from people and I touched on it prior, not all banks are created equal. And so what that means is you can go, like I've had dentists, they come to me and like, oh, I don't want to go down the road of SPM. Like, all right, you know what? And I, and then that usually prompts the probate question. Like, what's your version to it? Like, oh, well, I went to this bank and they just kept asking for documents over and over and over and over for about like two months straight. And so, you know, once I learned the name of the bank, I, I was able to explain them like, Hey, hey guys, look, this, this bank doesn't do more than like 40 SBA loans a year. They don't have a specialized department in it. They don't know what they're looking like. They don't even know what they're asking for, right? That, and that's the funny part is sometimes that's where that myth that you kind of touched on it takes a lot of paperwork comes from is because you've got banks that ask for all the superfluous information that's not even needed because they don't even know how to do the loan. So anyway, so that, that's that's what I'd say about that one part. It, the, the paperwork requirements are really not that bad, there's only two forms that you have to fill out for the SBA. One's a personal financial statement, one's a borrower information sheet. So the bank would be asking you for all that information anyway, just instead it's, it's on a specific SBA form that they keep for the file. Right. So the, it doesn't require title collateral. I mean, my, my story is like I was able to get over a million dollars to purchase a business at 19 and I, and I had 20, 30 grand in my name at that point. Right. So, it just, it depends a lot on the lender. And I have lenders that are completely fine with large airwalls like that. I've got ones that they get really aggressive on real estate, but their credit box is the size of the head of a pin, right? And so if it fits there, they'll they will be very aggressive on the rate, but they, they only do deals if it falls inside that box. And so that's what I would tell people about, like, does it require some of collateral? Does collateral, you know, the paperwork, it's going to depend a lot on the lender. But if you work with a competent SB lender, they're not going to need a crazy amount of collateral and they're not going to need some, you know, inundated amount of paperwork. They've got the process down, they've got it figured out. They're gonna ask you just for what they need and, you know, not a ton more. The episode will continue in just a moment.
0: If you're like me, you know the importance of diversifying your investment portfolio. Real estate investments, whether you're an active or passive investor, are a great way to add variety and reduce risk to your overall portfolio. But what about stabilizing that portfolio? If your portfolio is diversified through real estate, you still have to stabilize your properties with the right tenancy, know when and exactly what capital improvements to do, and assess your entire property's portfolio to maximize property values and their income potential year over year. Yes, it's a lot, and you'll need help to make sure you're looking at everything as objectively and strategically as possible. Get the guidance you need to assess and make the right decisions that will stabilize and optimize your property so their longevity is assured. Book a call with me and I'll guide you through the process and answer your questions. Go to growingempires.com and click on book a consult and you'll be on your way to a healthier, more stabilized and diversified portfolio with real estate. So what kinds of businesses are ideal for SBA financing?
1: It's a good question. So I I think for the I guess in consideration of the audience, SBA, one of the nuances, and I will say one of the qualifiers I'll put out there is, I mean, you can't use it for purely buying investment property. You can't just go buy a a single family home with it and, you know, turn it into an Airbnb and say, oh, well, I turned it into a business, right? they They have specific thresholds and tests that they use to determine if a purchase is truly, you know, workable for it. So, One of the nice things about SBA though is that, I mean, you can buy commercial pieces of property with SBA financing. And so long as you have a business that will occupy part of the space there, it'll be eligible. I mean, technically they say, oh, you have to occupy 51% of the square footage at the time of closing. But I'm just going to say this on the podcast here. A lot of the banks that I know that are out there, they're like, hey, as long as you put down on paper that you will occupy 50% of the space after closing, we'll give you the loan. We're not going to send anyone a check on it. We don't really care, (laughs) but you know, monkey, see no evil, hear no evil, you go do what you want. So really any business that would need real estate, I'm I'm working on a couple deals right now for guys that are in the manufacturing space, right? Right now they're, they're leasing their property and they, they want to be able to purchase the property from whoever they're leasing from because they know they're going to be there for a long time. So they're like, Hey, how do we do this? So an SB financing is, is great for them. I do work with a lot of dentists, doctors, vets who, you know, maybe they have one location, they want to expand the property they're in now, they want to do TI, maybe they want to go buy another location so that they can go in and put more, you know, they want to open a second or third practice location. SB financing is great for them in, in that area. There's really not a lot of businesses that it's quote, not for. And that's, that's another myth I like breaking for people. They're like, oh, well, my business isn't eligible. Okay, why? Well, I'm in this industry. I talked to this bank and they said, I can't, you know, I'm not eligible. Well, I mean, that's usually a, the bank's nice way of saying, like, we don't want to do the loan, but I think it just does a disservice to people because it puts out bad information, right? But, you know, if your business operates in the U.S., they're for profit and as long as you aren't running like a brothel, a, dis, a you know a retail <laughs> marijuana dispensary or some sort of loan-sharking operation, you'll 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 be good. I mean, they, they have some guidelines, and if you have a business you're not sure about it, you know you can you can email me, ask if it's eligible. But you know, ninety-nine percent of the businesses I run into will will fall under what is considered SBA eligible. But you know, again, the key thing. In, for the audience here is it's the small business administration. It has to be some sort of business that you can tie back to the property. So I know a lot of the folks listening that, you know, they probably run a small business and they're trying to figure out how do I take, you know, the money that I have that I'm, I'm actively making in my business from, you know, working and hustling day to day. And how do I take that and put it into, you know, long-term wealth into real estate? SBA can be a great resource for that because you can, keep more money in your pocket on the business side instead of renting. I'm working with a surgeon right now, a good friend of mine out in California. He, you know, his, his rent is very expensive because it's California and it's on two locations. And we've, we've done a deal where we've, we've lined up a deal. He's got two buildings he wants to purchase. We did the math for his CFO and we're going to get them all the capital they need to buy these two buildings, do tenant improvement, refinance some heavy equipment that they have at some of their lease locations now. And get six hundred thousand dollars of extra working capital to run the practice. The net cash flow savings to him, it's about twenty three thousand dollars a month.
0: Wow, that's right. phenomenal.
1: And so, you know, for for the folks in the audience who are like, all right, you know, what can I use SBA for? Right now is really the best time to go out there and leverage a loan to buy the property. And if you know, if you want to do like a rent replacement, you want to buy an office for your business, now's the time to do it. Rates have never been lower. There's lots of incentives available for SBA loans. We can, we can get into those later. But yeah, that's just a couple of examples.
0: So what kind of maximum loan amounts or terms are we talking about with these SBA loans?
1: Yeah, so that's a good question. There's really two main SBA loan products that are out there. We obviously have all the stuff that's out there from PPP, EIDL, all the disaster programs. Those are those are a flash in the pan. I mean, PPP is already done. EIDL, I think, only goes to the end of the year. The two main programs out there are the 7A and 504 program. The 7A, you can go up to $5 million. 504, it'll go up to $10 million. And in some instances, you can go a little bit over that, but you got to do a lot of stuff like you got to get green energy panels in the building and this and that. It's very complicated. So I just tell people for all intents and purposes, $10 million is the cap on, on the 504 program. 7A, you can use it for anything, you know, growth capital, working capital, you know, buying equipment for your business, or real estate. 504 is exclusively for real estate. So you have to either be buying a piece of real estate, building a piece of real estate, or doing improvements to existing real estate for it to qualify.
0: Okay. So what kinds of things can you actually use the financing for? I know you mentioned business acquisition, right? And Mm -hmm. you did mention real estate purchases, like if you're leasing and you want to buy the building that you're in. What about like things like partner buyout, working capital, growth of a business? Can you use SBA loans for that sort of stuff?
1: Yeah, I'm actually working on two different partner buyout transactions right now. One of them smaller; one's only for like two hundred thousand. It's an LED light related business, so they, they basically just wholesale lights to you know contractors who are mm-hmm. using it for building projects. You know, that's a small two hundred thousand dollar partner buyout. I've also got a larger one. It's a diagnostic laboratory related business, and it's two partners. It's a husband and wife buying out their third partner who wants to, you know, go focus on you know some other business ventures of his, and it's a million dollars. So you can use it for partner buyouts. Uh, Growth and working capital are always an option. Like you know, like I mentioned on the intro of our of our podcast here, that's what I helped for for David, the guy who does all your podcast production. He wanted some growth capital so he can go hire some more people, put some marketing folks in place, you know, get more clients to help produce their podcast for. And yeah, you know, growth, just general growth financing. Another big one that we see too is debt refinancing. So, you know, a business owner who's got, you know, a line of credit here, 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 here. And he's like, hey, I'm paying like, you know, on average 11% for this money. I'd like to refinance it into, a, you know, some long-term loan. So I'm like, um, for example, I'm working with a, an all-state guy right now. I mean, he's got, he's been able to grow his agency very well over the last couple of years, but he wants to refinance about a million dollars of working capital he has outstanding, right? I and mean, he's paying a much higher rate through the lender he has now. And so by taking it over from where it's at now to SBA, we're going to be saving about three and a half percent a year so on a million dollars it's like 35 40 grand so it's a, it's a pretty reasonable number yeah. so yeah debt refinances are, are big partner buyouts just general growth capital you know what i would say is i mean even if your business has the cash flow to support it banks are generally okay. kind of hesitant to just cut a check to someone for like over a million dollars without really any specified use so you know working capital is usually more limited by what the underwriters will view as reasonable. Like if you've got a business with low capex and you go to them and say, hey, you know, I can afford borrowing a million dollars and I want it and you don't really tell them what's for, they'll say, well, here, we'll, we'll give you like 400 now, right? Come back to us once you've spent that and you need, you know, need more. But yeah, growth and working capital is a very common use of proceeds.
0: Okay. So is there anything that's in place now as an incentive that is not typically there, maybe as a, you know, just the effects of COVID and stuff in the marketplace? So, you know, would you say you mentioned earlier that now is a great time to use these SBA loans. Is there something that's happening in the industry that people need to know about? Like why now versus later?
1: Yeah. So I I touched on it earlier when I said, you know, now is the best time ever. That's a couple of factors. One, I mean, rates, rates have never been lower. And so anyone in real estate probably probably knows that the, the rates are rock bottom. And so sure. when it's, you know, refinancing this or that, now it's time to do it. My dad, I'm, I'm here visiting my family today. My dad refinanced at like two and a half percent or something. I mean, it's 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 kind of ridiculous how cheap it is. It's relative to inflation. So you have interest. And most of the incentives available for the 504 and seven a program have been glossed over. And they're not really... Being talked about because everyone's focused on the other disaster relief related programs, but as part of the CARES Act, both CARES Act One and CARES Act Two—the the one they signed, I think, back in like December, or October, somewhere between October and December of last year—they uh, they basically extended all the stuff they did before. But one of the things they're doing is if you get a loan right now, prior to October first, they will pay the first three months of the loan for you, the SBA. And they will also waive all of the guarantee fees, uh, which are you know the the fees associated with getting your loan done. It's how the SB doesn't lose a bunch of money every year, right? They just charge a small insurance premium on every loan called a guarantee fee. Those are all waived right now. Rates are really low, and they're also going to pay the first three months' loan for you. So if you're out there and you know, let, let's say you got a business, you go get five hundred thousand. Those benefits between three months of payments and the fee waivers can be worth at least like you know thirty five thousand dollars, which is a reasonable chunk of money relative to the overall, right? And then then paying the first three months loan for you, that's that's a great way to, you know, maybe you're using it for a partner about or a business acquisition, whatever. Gives you a little bit more breathing room for the first couple of months months to really just get everything locked down and running smoothly how you want it, right? So.
0: Okay. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Please stay tuned for part two with Joshua Kim in episode three of season eight. Until next time, take care.
1: For more information about how Jennifer can help you plan, develop, and manage a strong real estate investment portfolio, visit growingempires.com.